Well, hey guys, welcome this morning. If I missed you on the way in, my name is Aaron, one of the pastors here at Grace. I just want to welcome you this morning again. Um, Guys, we've been in this series called Joyride. Um, It's been really, I think, challenging, really enlightening, and um, has really helped me um, as I think about the idea of joy. Encourage you, if you've missed any of the previous weeks, want to catch up on those, you can go on our app or our website and listen to those conversations. They've been really great. Um, we talked about a couple of things. I um, just kind of want to set this back up for us in case you weren't here or if you're like me and, you know, you just need a little refresher every once in a while. It's hard to remember week to week what people say, right, especially when they talk so much. I'll be short. Don't worry. All right, uh, first thing we said, when we're looking at joy, right, I think a lot of us, we, we would say we want joy in our lives, right? I think if I took a survey, we would probably get 100% yes, um, if not, I might, you know, we might need to talk. You might have issues, right, if you're like, I just want to be Eeyore forever. But um, you know what? We're going we're gonna to roll with it. And I think joy is something we all want. Happiness is something we all want. Uh, but it can be hard to find sometimes. When we think about joy, it's something that we, I think, experience in moments a lot in life. Uh, when we think about the gaps between those moments, it can actually be kind of hard to put a finger on what is lasting joy. Where does it come from? And how can I really just hold on to it? So we've been looking at this as we've uh, gone through the past couple weeks. So we've done, we looked at what the source of joy is. We looked at joy and injustice, joy and humility, and today we're going to look at joy in gratitude. Perfect for Thanksgiving time um, as we're looking forward to that. And uh, this is a couple of things that we think, you know, when we look at joy, uh, it's tempting to believe these things. One is that if things aren't great on the outside, things aren't great on the inside. Right, we might think that way most often. We might look, and if we see someone, or even if we look at our own lives, if I don't have these certain things, or maybe if they don't have these certain things, or if I have kind of a vision for what I want in my life, and those things are not present on the outside, probably means there's no joy on the inside. Right, and in the same way, we would look at and say, if things are great on the outside, things are great on the inside. It's a temptation to believe that. I think if we see other people in life, and we say, you know what, they have pieces of what I kind of want for my life, or I see their family gathering, and it looks a lot different than mine, right, and they kind of look like they have it all together, right, they have everyone in a family photo, and everyone's smiling with their eyes open, I don't know how you do that, right, you see those things that you want in your life, or maybe aspire for, you're like, they're not fighting over turkey or ham, like literally fighting with the turkey and ham, they're not doing that, And, and they might look and say, if it's great on the outside, they have those things, it's probably great on the inside, too. Now, I know that all of you were not born yesterday, and you probably know as well as I do that thinking this way, right, it sounds good, but when we really get into the nitty-gritty of life, when we have experiences, things happen, situations happen, um, life happens, just to put it plainly, um, joy sometimes does not come along with those, even when it looks good on the outside, right? You might have nine out of the ten things and your 10-step plan, and you're no closer to joy than when you started. You might find that, you know what, I was, I was more joyful when I had less than I am now. Like, what in the world? What is going on? So we've been taking a look at that. We said a couple of things. Uh, one is this. Uh, the last couple of weeks we said these things. Joy isn't found in the absence of pain. It's actually found in the presence of Christ. This is really important to understand because as we approach this and we look at it here, we're going to look at the Bible and the example of Christ and see that True joy, lasting happiness is actually found in Christ, not just in the absence of pain, right? Not having pain in my life doesn't necessarily mean that I will have joy. I could have pain in my life and still have joy, actually. So we said that. Uh, The next thing we said was this. Uh, Joy is not obtained. It's freely given by Christ. 
So when we look at joy, a lot of times in our life, we look at it as a pursuit of joy. We look at it as something that we're chasing after, and maybe we have a plan for it. But joy is actually something that's kind of fleeting. You can't really obtain it. But when we look at Christ, when we looked at uh, joy and humility, right, when we view ourselves the way that Jesus sees us and we start a relationship with Christ, joy is actually freely given to us. But it takes a bit of humility to see ourselves the way that Christ sees us and enter into that relationship. So that's kind of where we started this. And uh, if you miss any of those, I encourage you to catch up again. They're really great conversations. Uh, but, but what we find is, you know, as we look at finding a, uh, a journey, if we go on this journey for joy, uh, we find a lot of times that it's hard. So we've been looking in Philippians, the book of Philippians, and we're following along with Paul. He's a um, kind of an ancient guy at this point, thousands of years ago, a leader in the church who uh, really shares with us kind of his, like, tips and tricks for joy. I love it. We've been following along with him. And we see Paul, a guy who was once not a Christ follower, right? He was someone who was so opposed to Jesus, in fact, that he was like hunting down the people who were following Jesus just to like prove them wrong and some other really gory things that you can read about. But uh, he started on this journey and right, he experienced some unjust circumstances, right? Half of what he's writing here is from prison uh, and, if, and, and unjustly so just because he believed in Jesus. And he's sharing in the last couple of weeks about his joy, how he's found joy in that circumstance. And he's pointing us back to the person of Christ. So we've been following along with Paul Really interesting story that he has, and, it, and I think he has a lot of wisdom to offer us through God's word. So we're going to continue to look at that, and we're going to look in Philippians 4 today. And really today, um, and last week, we've been getting into the practical side of how do I practice gratitude, and how do I have this in my daily life? What does this look for for me as a person living a normal life today? The great thing about the Bible is it gives us practical application that is even relevant today, which is really great. So when we look in uh, Philippians 4, here's what we see. Paul says this, starting in verse 8. He says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. He goes on to say this, whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice. And the God of peace will be with you. So, you know, Paul, right away, he gives us this really awesome list that we see there. And uh, this list, I've probably read over it a bunch of times, maybe hundreds, I don't know. And I've read it over, and I see the words for what they are. I'm like, great, you know, be, you know, what is true, happy, right, you know, pure. That's good. That's great. But what I want to do today is actually dig into this list a little bit more. Because what Paul is saying at the end, he says, think about these things. And, and here's what we start to think about, you know, what is we... Uh, a couple of things. One is this, when we look at gratitude, when gratitude becomes a habit, joy becomes a lifestyle. So when we look at the idea of gratitude or, or giving thanks, when that starts to become a habit for us, joy actually becomes a lifestyle. So when we start to look at how do I find joy in life, it actually starts with gratitude. And you know as well as I do, when you're making something a habit, it can feel a bit clunky at first. It can feel not quite as natural, right, because it's a shift in what you're normally doing. Uh, but when gratitude becomes a habit, joy can actually become a lifestyle. And that's really what we're after, right? We're not after just having multiple moments of joy. We're not after just having a season of joy. What we're really after together is searching for how do we make joy a lifestyle? How can my life just have joy almost always, right? To be unaffected by circumstances, outcomes, situations, relationships. How can it actually be 
um, a lifestyle. And here's the thing about gratitude, when we start to look at this and what Paul's saying, uh, gratitude starts with our thoughts. Uh, Paul is saying, in this verse, he's saying, think about these things, right? It starts with our thoughts, and I, I love this because our thoughts are probably one of the only things in our life that we kind of have complete control over, right? We can kind of choose what we think about. And uh, not always the first reaction, right? The first reaction isn't always one that we can control. I'll give you a, a practical example here. Um, this, the, you know, the first reaction when something happens and you have that first reaction and you're like, it's not always good. Uh, well, we had one recently at my house. Um, it's awesome. Our son is 18 months now. He's been like trying new foods throughout those months. And one day I came home and um, I walked in the door and uh, there was, my wife had fed him oatmeal for the first time, right? Great baby food, nutritious. I don't know. But, like, I walked in, and I saw something. So imagine if you've ever seen, like, a movie with, like, a murder scene in it, but, like, the person was filled with oatmeal instead of blood, and it was just everywhere. Like, I, wa- I kind of walked in, and it was, like, there was oatmeal on the wall. There was oatmeal in the baby's hair, and he's like, Wah! and And there, the dog was running around, and he had oatmeal in his fur, and, like, there's just oatmeal everywhere. And I was like, what is going on, right? Like, my first thought was not, how do I express gratitude in the situation? My first thought was, what, what is going on in here? Are we just having an oatmeal fight now? Right? Like, this is going to, and you know how oatmeal dries, just like, it's so disgusting. Anyways, my first thought, right, my first thought is not one, I'm not even sure we can control our initial thoughts, right? But when we look at our thoughts, what we can control is what we dwell on, right? When we look at situations, when we look at what we think of after that first thought, what are we going to dwell on? And so when we look at gratitude and it's starting with our thoughts, that's what I'm talking about. Because things happen. And it's not ignorance to the things that are actually going on. It's not just, you know, try, being the person who's like blissfully ignorant and they're kind of annoying because they're like, it's fine, right? It's like the, the person with the house burning down around them. They're like, this is fine. It's like, no, it's not. It's on fire. Get out of there, right? It's not, it's not ignorance. What it is is a conscious decision on how we're going to use our thoughts, what we're going to dwell on. And so that's what we're going to kind of look at today. And I won't share the rest of the oatmeal story because I didn't do very well with that one. But, um, I, you know, I choose what I get to dwell on afterwards. Um, I would, you know, looking back, I could have been grateful that my wife was willing to, like, do the hard work to expose him to new foods instead of just, you know, I don't know, feeding him what, you know, I don't know what's easy for babies. They make a mess out of anything. Am I right? Okay. So here we go. When we look at uh, Joyride, that's what we're going to be thinking about is our thoughts. So I want to look at this list that Paul gives us here. Uh, when we start uh, in verse 8, when we see that list of things, and I'm going to look at it in a little different way because we can start to look at it and say, I want to capture those things. So we're going to talk about those words in there, uh, but I want to look a little deeper into it and see what is the other choice, right? So we're going to play like a little opposites game. It's Aaron's version of opposites, so, you know, get ready. They're probably not the ones you're thinking of, but that's okay. All right, so the first one I want to look at is true. Uh, when I think about true, um, obviously you might think the, all, the, the obvious answer would be false. Uh, but I went with fake. Uh, not because I'm being weird, but because when I look at this idea, what Paul's talking about is true. Um, fake, I think, is a better fit for what he's actually talking about here in this passage. And here's the reason why. When we think about things that are true, or when we think about our thoughts, when we have a situation or a frustration or something going on, we, we kind of have a choice to do one of these two things, right? Our thoughts are going to live we're going to dwell either in the fake or the true. And, and the true is this, right? The true might be something that's trustworthy, right? True might be the people that actually care about me, right? And listening to what maybe they have to say, 
right? True might be when I look at God's word and say God's word is trustworthy, right? True is, is taking what God says about me. True is actually looking to the people who are wise and that I trust and seeing what they have to say, right? That might be, that's the place where ideally our thoughts would live is in that truth. What happens a lot of times, our thoughts can start to dwell on the opposite of this in the fake, right? And what starts to happen is this, we start to, we start to play the image game, right? Where we need, to, we need to keep something up because of what other people might think. We start to play the comparison game. Well, I'm after joy and, you know, Joe, he just got that thing and I need to like, I'm comparing because I want to be like them because on the outside they look pretty good. And, and fake starts to look like I start trusting the word of others who have no pull in my life, who have no investment, right? I start to look at what they say. I might, I might start to look at what the bullies say, what the people who said mean like vile things to me, right? And that relationship that went south and I've started to believe those lies, Right? And so when we go into a frustration, right, we can look at what's fake and we can listen to people who are saying, well, you know what you ought to do. Or we can start to think about what's true, what God's word says. And so our thoughts start there. Second one we see is this. Uh, we see noble. I love that word. It's so regal sounding. And, and the opposite of that I would look at and say it's dishonorable. Noble looks like this. It's almost a sacred thing. Uh, noble, when I think of noble, what I would think of is probably weddings or funerals. And not because of the same thing, but because it's an event with dignity. Right? Think about a wedding where you celebrate two people joining their lives together. That is a noble experience. Think about when you're maybe at a funeral and you're celebrating someone's life. And you're looking at their legacy, what they've left behind. That's a noble experience. So when we look at our thoughts being noble, that's what, that's what Paul is really talking about there. Is, is thinking about the things that, have, that need dignity, dignity is given. What so often happens is when we look at our world, and this, this might even be a cultural problem for us, right, is when there's nothing sacred, right? We all love joking. I love laughing just as much as the next person. But when we start to have a crass tone to what we're saying, right, when things that are meant to have dignity, that's taken away because our thoughts are always on the dishonorable, right? When we go a little too far and we push the line, right, because nothing is off limits, Right, what Paul is saying, you won't experience joy, right? Laughing is really fun. It might give you momentary joy. I love laughing. But when it's dishonorable, when, it's, when that's the reason, right, it doesn't bring you joy. It's empty. Think about the noble experiences you've had in your life. That is what truly brings joy. I think that's why people love weddings so much. I think because joy abounds because it's a noble experience. The next one I want to look at is where it says right. I added a word. Um, I added doing front of it just to help us here, right? There's doing right and doing injustice. And here's what I mean by that. Let me explain. When I look at a situation or a circumstance that's coming on and, and my thoughts in that, I, I can dwell on the doing right or the doing injustice, and it looks like this. When I look at doing right, instead of just looking, uh, I would look and say, how can I leverage this situation to do what's right? How, how can I spend my energy and put it all towards something that's, that's good, that's doing right, maybe for others, right? How can I be creative about how to, how to do right in this situation or in this relationship? And maybe that's where our thoughts dwell. But doing injustice, right, what that looks like practically is sometimes we spend energy getting out of doing what's right. I don't know if you've ever been there. That was probably like most of my teenage years in high school. I was just like, how can I not do this thing that I'm supposed to do, right? Like, with, it was like that with homework. It was whatever. And I'm not using that as the, the one example. But when we look at our situations, we can either dwell on doing right. 
how can I be creative about this? How can I do it right? Or we might say, how can I actually spend my energy over here on, the, on doing injustice, right? Spending my energy towards something bad. I think, I think about this all the time when you, I don't know if you ever watch any like documentaries or anything. I'm kind of a weirdo and a nerd with those. But when you see people uh, who maybe they've gotten caught finally and the law was chasing them forever and they were like these criminal masterminds and you're like, they spent so much time trying to figure out how to beat the system. Like, what if they put all that energy towards something good? Like, can you imagine what would exist because of that? Can you imagine if their thoughts were on doing right? Man, I think the same thing for us, right? Sometimes it's tempting to think about our thoughts to live and how can I maybe not get out of doing what I know that I should do. And here's the thing about that as well. I, I don't think there's any replacement for a clear conscience, right? The, the feeling that you get after when you do what you know is right, that feeling of joy, knowing that, like, I did something good, I did something worthwhile, and kind of the feeling you get when you get out of something that you knew you were supposed to do, it's a little heavy, it's burdensome, and it doesn't bring joy. The next one is this, and when we look at what is pure, the opposite of that, I would say, is polluted. And what this looks like so much is, you know, we have many wonderful gifts from God that are pure, right? We look at the gift of marriage, we, we look at the gift of family, we look at the gift of friendship, right? You think of these pure things in your life, and when we look at this idea of polluted, right, certainly they're sometimes tainted by us and by sin, right? They're not in their perfect form, but those are things that are ultimately given by Jesus that are meant to be pure. So our thoughts can either live in that, right, when we're in situations, or they go to the polluted. And so often what this specific thing looks like in our thoughts is this, it it almost turns into a pain management system, right? You think about a time when you're in pain or maybe someone you know who is in pain. I think about people that I've talked with that are in pain and even myself, right? We all have destructive habits that we have to fight against. And I think a lot of those, they come from a pure place, right? We look at something that's good, but a lot of times when we're in pain, when we're not experiencing joy and we're searching for that, we, we go to the polluted, right? We, we go to that addiction, Right, we go to that thing that's going to destroy our marriage. Right, we go to the unhealthy relationship. And we go to the polluted instead of making our thoughts live in things that are pure. And it becomes a pain management thing. Right, so those are the two there when we think pure and polluted. Uh, getting towards the end here, uh, what we see one is lovely is the next one. Lovely, I you know, it's like, I'll just think of myself, it'll be perfect. No, that's not what we're talking about, all right? So you're like, there's got to be a better one you could. Anyway, so when we look at lovely, it's not necessarily talking about beautiful, right? That's a great synonym usually. But when we look at lovely, when we look back at the Bible and see the context of this verse, it's actually talking about brotherly love. So when we think about lovely and the idea of the opposite being self-centered, it looks like this, when I do things, when my thoughts are occupied, are they occupied with doing uh, doing something in brotherly love for other people, right? Am I, am I able to use this situation to benefit someone else? How can I love this person? How can I chase after them? It's really an outward thinking, right? Not just always thinking of me, but thinking of others. And the opposite, of course, is self-centered, right? You think about how can I gain from this? Instead of being the person who gives something, how can I receive something, right? How can I be the receiver of joy? How can I be the receiver of a blessing, right? It becomes a self centered world, and our pursuit becomes self-gain. Uh, the last one is this on the list, and uh, it's admirable. Um, admirable, you know, when I think of this one, I think of a lot of things. Um, 
probably the most, uh, the, the most real one for me is when I look at admirable, it's the, someone who inspires me to do good. And so when I think of that practically, right, I think about people in the military. I think about first responders, and I would look at those things and say, that is, that is incredibly admirable, right, that they'd be willing to give their life, right, that they would run into a burning house, that they would run into a crazy situation to save someone, right? We would probably all look at those and say, that's incredibly admirable. So when we look at this idea of our thoughts being admirable, we look and say, it's really anyone who sacrifices, right? We think of heroes. We think of anyone who inspires us to do good. It's a great thing, and you probably have people on your mind or maybe even specific jobs that are admirable. So when we look at this admirable, right, and the opposite of that is this. I think a lot of times when we look at admirable, it looks like um, critical is the opposite. And what I mean by that is this. A lot of times, you know, we'll say, well, I won't judge them. But where do our thoughts immediately go, right? We just keep it inside. But when we look at the opposite of admirable, we'd say, you know what, this is actually when we're thinking, um, we're thinking the judgment things, right, where we're starting to be critical. And this might look a lot of different ways, right, because here's how it plays out practically. When we look at the idea of admirable, right, and we look at our spouses, right, when we look at our spouses, do we have a list of the critical things? We're like, hey, I got ten things that annoy me, and if you need, like, five more, if you get through it pretty quick, I'll just give you the extra five. You can work on those, right? We start to see the critical. And really this, this starts to go, and how do we see the admirable things? How can our thoughts go there? How can we see how our spouse serves us? Or how can we see the good things they do, the great traits that they have? Right? It, admirable really is choosing to focus on the good. What am I going to dwell on? And uh, what, what I want to do is start to look at the world that way as well. It can get that way. Right? The world can sometimes seem really bad. Right? We can start to focus on that, and it can just consume your mind with like how much evil and how many things are in the world. But when we look and start to move our thoughts into an admirable place, like I said before, it's not an ignorance of what's wrong. It's a willful choice to look at what's admirable, to see the good in things, right? That includes people, situations, right? It's this idea of being admirable. So here, here's the thing about this list, right? We can look at this list that I gave here, and we can go through that, and we'd be like, great, got some good stuff to work on. This list, right, it's tempting to look at this and just see it as a list of virtues. And it is to a degree but what's incredible about this list is when we look at it, what we're actually seeing is the character of Christ, right? When we look at the Bible, when we look at what Paul's saying, he's not just saying these are good things to do. They are good things to do. Right? This is a good mindset to have. But what Paul is pointing to is he's saying this is the person of Christ. Paul is saying when we, when we look at these things, it's not just saying that this is going to be, you know, like some positive thinking things we're going to leave with. Paul is saying, you know, this is the person of Christ because look at this. He says, when, when you look at Christ, he's true. Right? We see in God's word, he says, I am the truth. When we look at nobility, we look at the person of Jesus and we see how he lived his life. We see nobility. We look at doing right. Right? We see Jesus, even in his earthly ministry, work through that, choosing to do what's right even when he didn't want to do. Right? We, we look and we see purity. Right? Only God is pure when he describes himself. Righteousness is a character of God. When we look at lovely, that brotherly love idea, Christ gave his life for us. That's the ultimate act of brotherly love, right, is to do that for us. When we look at being admirable, right, someone who inspires us to do good, right, that even people who believe Jesus was a person and maybe not God, they would look and say he was an admirable person, right? But the, this is something that we see that is actually the character of God. This is really awesome, 
when we start to look at this a little deeper, because here, here's the thing. I think this is why Paul writes it this way, because he sees the character of God. And at the beginning of this passage, he says this, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Because he sees the truth that this is actually who Christ is. This is who Jesus is. This isn't just, um, this isn't just something that we're saying is good to do. Because here's the thing, the worst thing that we could do today reading something like this or even looking at the Bible is to think that this maybe is just a self-help thing. Because here's the truth, it isn't a positive thinking thing. It's, not a, pra- it's, not, uh, it's a praiseworthy thinking. It's not self-help, it's worship. Right? When we look at this list and we think, how do I get my thoughts to this side of the list? When we look at seeing the character traits of God, this isn't just a positive thinking thing. Right? People in the world are starting to catch on. Right, Positive thinking is a big thing. Just think out the bad thoughts. Breathe in the good. Breathe out the bad. Right, It's incredibly cheesy to me. I don't know if that's, like, that's a thing I saw happen once. All right? So don't laugh too hard at it. Right? It's, it's like all of those positive mindsets, they're okay. But I think it leaves us with the same problem Right, when it's just self-help, when it's just positive thinking. What starts to happen is where we got in the first place. Right, We see moments of joy. We see glimmers of joy, but we're still chasing it. We're never able to really put our finger on it. We're never able to obtain it. Because the truth is, these things, when our mind goes there with gratitude, it's praiseworthy thinking. It's, it's thanking God. It's seeing that that is who Christ is. It's not self-help. It's actually worship because we're saying, this is God. This is the God that I'm serving, that I'm, that I'm forming my mind and my life after. It's incredibly helpful when we think of it that way. And as we go into Thanksgiving, right, I think this is great because when we look at Thanksgiving, it's on our minds, right? Gratitude's on our minds. Um, our hearts are open to it. It's kind of on the forefront. We're ready to do it. We're, our hearts are open to that. But I think a lot of times we leave Thanksgiving disappointed <laughs> because we run into a lot of the frustrations. We run into a lot of the relationships that aren't bringing us joy that we thought they were. Right? It gets a little difficult. But here, here's the thing. When we look at being grateful and expressing gratitude or Thanksgiving, um, we can't be grateful to nothing, right? We're not just like, we're grateful, and it's like to nothing, right? We're actually grateful to a person, and that person is Christ. And this is incredible because when we start to think to the good things that we have in our life, maybe even the glimmers of joy, have we ever thought about attributing those to a person, right? The gifts that I receive in my life, usually when you receive a gift, that means there's a giver, Right? It's not just like I found $20 on the road most of the time. Usually a gift means a giver. Right? Maybe we start to attach these things to a person, and that person is Christ. It would be a big change in mindset maybe to do that. But when we're being grateful, it's not just a good thing to do. It is actually an act of worship. It's seeing Jesus for who he is, attributing, attributing the things in our life that bring us joy to him, and starting to latch on to true joy through gratitude. Here's the thing, though, about joy when we start to look at this and we look at gratitude specifically. um, When we we start to do uh, practice gratitude, it's not always easy. I think sometimes gratitude is very easy, right? I was, like, really thankful yesterday. Like, the Buckeyes won. Easy, right? Like, thank you. Right? When things go really well, right? When when that thing that I wanted to happen happened, I'm like, thank you, Lord, right? Like, I'm, I'm really thankful about that, right? The easy things in life where I'm like, you know what, today was a good day because I just closed myself inside and didn't have to see any people. Thank you, right? Like, I, I got to, we planned that vacation. It went swimmingly. We didn't get a flat tire. Thank you, Lord. Now, think of the opposites of all of those, 
right, when the thing that we didn't, that we wanted to happen didn't happen? Is gratitude our first move? Not mine, usually. Right, when I, when I was going on vacation and we did get the flat tire, and the spare's flat too because nobody ever checks that, and if you say you do, you're lying, right? Like, we, those things, that gratitude is not natural to us, but I love what, it's, what the Bible says in Hebrews when we look at this. Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that openly profess his name. I love this phrase in here, a sacrifice of praise, because we know that gratitude is not always easy. Sometimes praising God is a sacrifice, right? It is a willful choice to see things in a different way. And sometimes the days are going to be bad. The relationships are going to go south. That Thanksgiving is going to go off the rails quicker than last year, right? Like all these things are starting to happen. And sometimes praising God is a sacrifice. And it's all tied into our thoughts. How will we think about this situation, right? How are we choosing to dwell on these things? Because we, we said this last week too, if we, if we can give gratitude to God in the good times, it'll be, it, in the bad times, we can do it anytime, right? If we can praise God in the bad times, we'll be able to do it anytime. So if you think about the worst moment of your life and you start to think, man, is there a way that I could actually praise God through this. It, it gives a little more context to this verse, which I think, you know, if I'm being honest, in my other years of church when I was younger was weaponized against me, right? Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. This verse always used to trouble me because old ladies would say it to me when things were going bad, and they go, count your, your stress a, a blessing. And I'm like, no, thank you. This sucks. Like, I don't want to do that. Right? It's not a natural thing for me. And there was no context to that whatsoever. Right? I'm looking and saying, trials of many kinds. Right? Okay, so that means there's going to be a lot of them. I can attest to that maybe now. Right? Like, I don't know, I don't know if that is going to actually help me. It doesn't seem like they're giving me good advice here. Right? And I wasn't able to connect the dots. Because when we start to think about making gratitude a habit, joy becomes a lifestyle. And so when we make gratitude a habit, when we face trials of many kinds, right, we, start, we start to see that, that we're being matured. We're being completed because God is challenging us to think differently. He might be teaching us something. He might be changing us. He might be showing us something. He might be working. And really what this becomes Right, as we start to look at these habits of gratitude becoming a lifestyle of joy, it looks like this. We start to look at Christ and we say, what is God doing and how is he working in this situation? That becomes our question and our, our line of thinking. And, and so uh, I want to tell you a little story. I was uh, actually talking with um, Pastor Bob, was his name about this. Now, if you don't know Pastor Bob, he was a pastor at, at the Norton campus of our church, and he's like uh, very much the DNA of Grace Church, right? When you see Grace Church, it's a, kind of a reflection of Bob Combs. And we were actually talking about gratitude. It was before I knew anything about this series, and um, I was starting to think, I'm like, why? I was thinking why it was so hard, and he started talking about this. He said, a lot of times when we experience pain, when we experience hard times and trials, he's like, those are at the forefront of our mind because it's a physiological response because we don't want to feel pain anymore. I'm like, well, that makes total sense. Right? I don't want the bad thing to happen again. I don't want to get trapped 
and this again. I don't want to experience this bad relationship again, right? Those things tend to be almost in the front of our mind. So it's easy to pull those up, right? It's easy to remember those. It's easy to think of those. And I think that's why we sometimes move towards the other side of that list. And we kind of dwell on those things because we're almost trying to fight against the pain because we want that joy. And so Bob shared about that a little bit, and it was really inspiring to me. He said that he and his wife had kept a journal um, of gratitude and thankfulness for, like, for years. And uh, he, was, he was telling us they did that for years. And so I'm standing in this conversation with him, and, and, and I'm thinking, that's a really good idea. And I was inspired by that, and I was talking to my wife about it, and we were inspired by that together. And so we started to do that. Um, and we fell off the wagon a little bit after like a month or so, right? It was starting to make it a habit. We actually uh, decided here at the beginning of November to start doing that again. And guys, here's the incredible thing about that exercise. You don't have to keep a journal. You can if you want. Um, you don't have to do that. But the idea of making gratitude a habit, what I found is when I came home each day and I was supposed to write something I was thankful for, it was a little bit devastating how hard it was to do that sometimes, if I'm being honest, when I came home sometimes, I was like, all I can think about is the fact that this went wrong, right? This thing didn't happen. This took longer than I thought. This other thing came into the equation. And, like, I'm having a really hard time thinking of something to be thankful for today. And I don't know where you are in life right now, but maybe you found, I, you know, my whole life it's been hard to think of something I'm thankful for. Man, this last season of my life has been incredibly painful. What that exercise started doing is I, I would kind of force myself to do it honestly at first. <clears throat> what started happening when I could shift my mind to this other side of the list to think about what is noble, what is true, what is admirable, it started to change how I saw situations in the day. It started to change how I see people. It started to change what my mind would dwell on because I saw this is how Christ sees me. Right? This, is how, this is how he lives life and sees everyone, and I can actually start to do this too. I can find joy in the, in the weirdest of circumstances that I would have never thought. Because I started asking myself even different questions. Instead of, what's something good that happened today I can write down? It started to look like this. It started to look because I care about what God says. Because of my relationship with him, I started to think, what, what is God teaching me? Man, he's, man, he's really teaching me patience right now? What, what is God showing me? Right? Is he showing me that this relationship needs work? Right? Do, do, am I like running to the polluted instead of the pure and like I need to, I need to like, I need to not, not use pain management here. I actually need to run to what's pure. I need to work on my marriage instead of running away to pain manage it, right? Do I, do I need to like get help? What is, what is God showing me? How is God changing me? One of the coolest things is when you start to look back over that list, you start to look and like, man, I thought this about that thing like a month ago, and now God is changing me. So once we start, all that to say, once we start making that a habit, it becomes a lifestyle. And this is really difficult to do at first, I think. It was for me, if I'm being honest, it took like a while for me to think of some things that I was thankful for that went deeper than like thankful for my house, thankful for my shoes, right? Like it was, I was finding those, but I'm like, how do I be thankful for what's actually happening in my life that's actually on my mind, right? Not the things that I can think about to what is actually on my mind and how can I be thankful for those. And so, so here's what I want to challenge us to do. It's this. Um, I want to challenge us to all do an exercise right now, not like a physical exercise. Don't worry, I'm not going to, I mean, look. Okay, anyways, not a physical exercise, right? I want you to do something for me. 
I'm not saying you have to keep a journal. Maybe you'll do this more than once, but I want you to try this. Um, when the band comes out, they're going to play a couple songs for us, give us some space. But I want you to do this uh, when they come out and you get some time to think. Think about a frustration in your life right now. Right? Think about the most frustrating thing that's going on. Think about that thing that's consuming your thoughts right now. And write that down. Write it on your phone, on a piece of paper, on your notes, on the program there, wherever you have it. Think about that frustration. And try to write down three, three to five things that maybe you can actually be thankful for. Right? Maybe it's even a practice of practicing these other things here on this list. Right? Instead of, instead of looking at the fake, I'm going to look at the true. I'm going to look at the admirable in this frustration. I'm going to look at the noble, the pure. Right? Maybe, maybe you don't have a relationship with Jesus, and this is the first time you're being presented with the idea that actually the things that, that I am grateful for in life I can attribute to a person of Jesus. And maybe that first life change, right, when we start to change our thinking, a lot of it is because we start to realize what Jesus did for us here. And we start to see that, you know, it takes humility for me to approach him and say, God, I know that I have this sin in my life. I, my thinking is this way, and I, I really want joy in my life. I want my family to be joyful. I want, I want my marriage to be joyful, and I want to have gratitude. I want to be thankful for what I have. I'm not an ungrateful person. My mind, it just gets consumed. Right? Maybe that's where you're at. And maybe you need to say, God, you know what? I think I need you first to come into my life and, and kind of in humility accept what you've done for me. Right? That act in brotherly love of laying down his life. That's something that you can do. Right? To think about the things you're grateful for and think if you ever attributed them to a God who cares about you. Right? Who chose to see the admirable in you despite the bad things. It's a gift as well. Right, when we look at the gift of salvation, it's something that we can, it's there. Right? Jesus is saying, I see, the, I see, I'm not ignoring the sin in your life, but I'm choosing to see the good. It's because if any, anyone does anything admirable, if they do or think this way, it's because they're created in the image of God. And that means all of us. Right? So we have the opportunity to have a relationship with a God who thinks this way about us and sees actually the whole world this way as well. And we have a chance to join with him in kind of changing the way that our thought process works. So I encourage you to do that. Write that frustration down here in the next moments um, as we go to God with those. And, and try to write down three or four things that you can maybe be thankful for around that. Maybe things that God is teaching you. I'm excited for this. It's a journey of starting to think differently. And, and you know as well as I do, a habit you've been in for a long time, it's a hard one to break to start to think different ways about things. Let me pray for us, and then we'll give you guys some space to think about that. God, we love you. Uh, we're thankful for this time together. Uh, God, we love that you see us this way. We're thankful for that first, that, God, you see us as people who are created by you in your image, who are holy and dearly loved. And God, you desire to have a relationship with us. And God, you desire to give us joy in our life, not in the way of health, wealth, and happiness, but, God, an ability to have unwavering joy no matter what we face in this life way of circumstance, injustice, relationship. God, you give us uh, the, the choice to look at you as an example and to change our thought process. God, help us as maybe there's things on our mind right now that we're really struggling um, to see gratitude in, and really even to find joy in our lives. Bring those things to our mind, God, and help us to see what you might be teaching us, God, what you might be asking us to do. Um, and God, most of all, that we would um, consider what you've done for us. God, we love you and thank you that your offer of a relationship is always there for us. God, your help is always there as we pursue this joy together. 
And I'm thankful for um, for the church of people, the body of believers to help us. And God, we're thankful um, for what you do for us as well. Amen.